Uh, good day to you. The on this day, this snow filled, this starting of the blizzard that we're in this blizzard warning until um, tomorrow, or no, through Friday, I mean, and things getting slick and everything. And so this is going to be kind of a. As you can see, I tried to get some recordings of that hymn. Um, I didn't realize there's an extra verse in there. I got to double check on. Um, it was very beautiful. It was actually pretty beautifully sung. I think that was sung. Uh, that might have been sung by the Fort Wayne Cantori, um, the choir of Saint uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. Uh, but anyways, the text is that reading from Exodus 15. You heard a little bit ago. It's a pretty lengthy one. Uh, grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So, we, we are the champions. We are the champions. No time for losers. We are the champions of the world. Now, when I was practicing my sermon version, my regular version, I was actually going to sing that. Um, it's a song that you probably would know the tune. You probably could sing it on your own. Um, some of you might. It was sung by um, Queen, um, a well-known band of the, I think, 70s and 80s. I don't know the exact years on that. Um, but it's kind of a song that is reflective of a reality. Is that whenever we have victory, whenever things go well, we like to sing. Uh, there's... You know, I've gone to so many 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 high school games, basketball. Um, you know, it was just at the one in Cherokee last night. Uh, football games, things like that. You know, at the beginning of a game, or when the game is going, or at halftime, or whatever, you hear the school fight song, or when the team scores a touchdown, you hear the fight song, and you so you hear like da 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 da. da. Which I realize that's not OABCIG's fight song. It's actually, I think, Notre Dame, which also is um, a number of other schools, including Ankeny High School, which is my alma mater, where I went to high school. But we play music. I mean, music has always had this connection to celebration, to joy. Think of, a, if, you know, even with Christmas coming, I'm guessing, I wouldn't be surprised if a few of you have seen a movie called Elf. And that movie, he has this one little line, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud and clear for all to hear. Because yes, music has an impact on people. Now, there are some people, I actually had this conversation with an individual and this person was talking about how um, they're not very affected by music. And the thing is, is, is that's actually kind of a rare thing. It's probably kind of akin, it might be akin to the fact, you know, like to color blindness or something like that, where you're, there's something a little bit off. But the either way, music has been used through the ages to celebrate joy. Take the text that you heard a little bit ago in Exodus, from Exodus 15. The people of Israel. So go to Genesis. At the end of Genesis, Joseph, who had been sold into slavery by his brothers, he had risen to prominence in Pharaoh's court. And so 
the people of Israel ended up there and things were going good. But eventually a new emperor, a new pharaoh, sorry, a new pharaoh would rise up who did not remember Joseph and who did not look so favorably, favorably upon um, the Hebrews. And so he enslaved them. He executed many of them. Um, I mean, he was quite brutal towards them. And so, and the thing is, is that this slavery, this period that they had in Egypt was not just like one or two years. It was hundreds of years. And so you could imagine, you could kind of, I mean, you could only barely imagine what it'd be like. And I say that barely imagine because, you know, the United States is not even 250 years old yet. And so these people were enslaved for even longer than that. And, and so Moses in the burning book was greeted by Yahweh. And you heard me say it, Yahweh at times, whenever you read in the Old Testament and you see Lord in all capital letters, that is Yahweh. That's the name of God. So Moses was greeted to, by God in the burning bush. He says, I, and he says, who are you? And he says, I am who I am. That's the name of God, Yahweh. Yahweh is a, the Hebrew of I am, and, or the intensification of that. And so God gives Moses this mission, this task. And he goes to Pharaoh and demands that the people of Israel be set free that they'd be let go but and pharaoh does not oblige and so moses I mean, god through the hands of moses does these incredible wonders you know he turns the the uh the the river or the water into blood which gross um you know he you know, plague of gnats, plague of frogs. There was, you know, boils and locusts and the sun turning black. I mean, there it was, you know, hail. I mean, all these it's incredible, scary stuff that happened. And, and Pharaoh repeatedly would harden his own heart and refuse to let the people free. Let them free from this bondage of slavery. And so Moses, and then so finally God, they do what's called, there's what happens is the Passover. <coughs> and the angel, God's holy angel passed over Egypt and struck down the, the sons of the Egyptians, the sons of the, those who are not Hebrews. And so after this, Pharaoh finally relents. He lets the people of Israel free. But this freedom doesn't really last. Instead, he, because it's not long before he, his heart is hardened yet again. And he, he leads his army of chariots and everything. And they chase down the people of Israel. And you can imagine, I mean, just try to imagine how terrifying this would have been. You're, I mean, you're being chased by this army. And you, you don't have weapons. You don't really have much of a means to fight back to them. 
I mean, you got women, you get children, you have men, women, children, you have the elderly, all different ages, people who just cannot really easily fend for themselves, all there as Pharaoh and his army approaches. You can only, you know, imagine the terror that they were experiencing. And so God, again, comes to the rescue. He sends a pillar of fire to divide, the, sends fire to um, separate the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's host, Pharaoh's army from the people of Israel. And God, Yahweh, through Moses, split the Red Sea. Because this is the situation. I mean, they got the army of Pharaoh on one hand, and they got the Red Sea on the other hand, and not Sea of Reeds. You hear people sometimes say it was the Sea of Reeds. No, it's the Red Sea. Red Sea. So they're the Red Sea on the other side. And, you know, this isn't a small body of water. And so most, and so even with that fire, you know, how long is that going to keep going? So God, again, works through incredible wonders. And through Moses, that water of that Red Sea, it divided. And to the point, and I mean, I don't mean it divided and there's still a little bit of mud. It divided so all the land that's in between the two sides of the water are dry as dry can be. So that the people freely the people, the Hebrews, the people of Israel, the son, the children of Israel are able to walk on dry ground. And so they do. <clears throat> well, the fire comes to an end. And so Pharaoh and his army, they chase after them <clears throat> through the water, which I admit that's kind of gutsy. I don't know. Power you, I'd be like, person. I mean, if for me, I'd be like, you know, guys, I think we're gonna let these guys go. We're just gonna go about our business because water is not supposed to do that. And I don't trust going in there because the water might change its mind. Well, of course, they they don't think that way. They go through, and yeah, the water. Well, it didn't change its mind, but because water doesn't have a mind, but God set the water down and drowned he is trying because it says here in verse 1 I will as they crossed it they crossed in the, the people of Israel coming to the other side of the Red Sea on the other side of the water and Pharaoh did not make it because as it says here I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider is thrown into the sea the Lord Yahweh is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation this is my God and I will praise him my father's God and I will exalt him Verse 4, Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. 
See, God preserved them. He saved them from this imminent danger. And when they saved them, then they saw their salvation. And they realized how incredible means that God had done it. The only thing they could naturally do is what you have there in Exodus 15. And that is they sung. They burst into song. And sung of the wonders that God had done. This is a thing of the people of Israel. You look into you look into the old into the you know farther into the Old Testament, you got you read the Psalms. I mean the Psalms now sometimes some of the songs are laments, some of them are repentance or whatever. But even there you get these songs of joy, especially go to the very end of the Psalms. Um, Psalm one forty six to Psalm one fifteen. 150. These are known as the Psalms of Hallel, the Hallelujah Psalms, because they begin and end with Hallelujah. And so, song is music is such a major part of the life of a person who is faithful unto, unto the one true God. In the New Testament, Mary. So, Mary, you know, this 14, 13, 14, maybe 15 year old girl is greeted by the angel Gabriel. She's told that she, though a virgin, would be pregnant with the Son of God, the Christ, the Son of David, right? And she marvels at this, and she's told that her cousin Elizabeth, in her old age, is also pregnant with the prophet, with the one who, you know, Prepare the way for Jesus. So Mary journeys. She journeys to the hill country, um, not far outside of Jerusalem. And this is where Elizabeth, Zachariah, live. And upon greeting, as soon as she, her voice reached the ears of Elizabeth, the, the child in Elizabeth's womb, which is, you know, would be John the Baptist, leapt for joy and Mary saw that this thing that had happened for Elizabeth had happened and if you're wondering why did she have to travel well they didn't have cell phone back then they didn't have telephone they you know they could even you know I know that you see it in TV they could send something by owl that doesn't work in order to find out things are going on for people who are a long ways away from you, you got to go see them. You got to go visit them. And so she went, and she was. It was a firm, confirmed, what was promised to her. And the scriptures tell us: as soon as she sees this, she bursts into song, and she says, "In what is known as the Magnificat, my my soul magnifies the Lord." And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Going a little bit farther. And you go a little bit farther into Luke. And you have the Zechariah. After John is born. There's this, he, he breaks into what is known as the Benedictus. And he sings a song at the joy of the birth of his son. Because remember, 
They were of old age. As far as they are concerned, they probably threw in the towel and figured, hey, they're not going to have any kids. It just wasn't in the cards for them. And when it happens, they burst into song. He bursts into song. And also because, well, he couldn't talk. I mean, this is an incredible thing. Is, um, Zachariah couldn't talk for nine months. You know, he was told that his wife would be pregnant, and he, you know, he didn't believe the angel. And because he didn't believe the angel, the angel made him mute, so he couldn't talk. And so he was muted, and then nine months later, this child is born, and the very first thing he does is he doesn't talk, he sings that Benedictus. Going farther yet in Luke, Jesus, 40 days after he's born, is brought to a man named um, named Simeon, who is a priest. Uh, he's serving in the temple. And so Jesus is brought, this little baby, to Simeon. Now this is a big deal for Simeon because Simeon was told that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. And so, we don't know how old he was. The scriptures don't tell, but we got to figure that it was pretty old. Because, for one, um, to be a, even to be a priest, you had to be at least 30 years old. Um, but even still, that promise, in order to have significance, you got to figure he's going to be up there in years. I mean, it would not be a, as big of a promise like, you're not going to die until something happens, and then it happens when you're like 31 or whatever. I mean, it's not not as big of a thing. But if you if you hit your 80s, 70s, 80s, then that's kind of becomes a big deal. And so when Jesus appears to him, he knows. I mean, Simeon just knows it's him. He bursts into song. And he sings that song that you might be familiar with. We sing it. Um, after communion in, um, on our Sunday services. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, for your word has been fulfilled. See, that is the history of God's people. They burst into song. They sing at victory when great things of God happen. And so to our very day, we still do this. It is quite appropriate, you know, coming up on Christmas. The best way to spread all Christmas joy is to sing loud and clear for all to hear. And what do we do Christmas? We burst into song. We sing those beautiful hymns. And we talk about the incredibleness that God, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke everything into existence, becomes human flesh like you and me incredibleness and he does this so that he would go to the cross and die that agonizing death in order to bring salvation to bring redemption to you and to me he does this and by this he brings and he doesn't stay in the grave no he rises from the dead Quite interesting that this reading from Exodus we just heard a little bit ago actually is part of the intro for Easter Sunday. And so when we get to Easter, 
we sing, we burst out, Jesus Christ is risen today. You know, we burst out into these hymns of joy because the victory that Jesus has victory over death, the grave. Ascension Day, Pentecost, all filled with these songs of victory. It is still our lot to this day. It's still what we do because for all those victories in sports, when we sing those, you know, we hear those fight songs. If you know the words of your school fight song, way to go, I forgot the ones from my school. Or maybe you sing, we are the champions or champion by whatever that singer is you know maybe you have very whatever song it is that you sing your victory you won or whatever but all those victories of sports or getting a good grades or what or getting a promotion or getting the best getting the best deer during hunting season or whatever none of it comes even remotely close to the joy your sin has been wiped away. That Jesus, who is God, in the that God became human flesh on Christmas Day. That he went to the cross to pay the penalty, pay what was necessary for your sin. And that he rose from the dead. And so, in the waters of baptism, you're declared his child. In the hearing of his word, is we receive faith through his means of grace. The victory of Jesus' victory over death and the grave is your victory over death and the grave. So we sing. We rejoice. This Sunday, I mean this, this weekend, we have Christmas Eve and day. And you wonder, why do we have Christmas Eve and day? Because... One day is not enough for singing the songs of praise, the reality that God became flesh. One day is not enough. We have two. And the second one, not only do we have songs, we get a feast. The body, the blood of Jesus, in with and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins. And what do we do when we sing Simeon when he had Jesus? He sung, we, when we receive Jesus in the bread and wine for the forgiveness of our sins, we sing the same song that Simeon sung. And so, with that in mind, we continue with the song of Mary 